All right, I'm sorry. It's also my duty to uh, shout you back to your seats, my friends. Good to be a part of the body of Christ, brothers and sisters in his family. And that is one of the teachings that we've been looking at in the book of Romans. We are coming to the end of our Romans Road study. Next week will be the very last week in the book of Romans. And what have we been looking at? What have we seen as we've been walking through the book of Romans together? Well, one of the things that we have seen in the first 11 chapters is the gospel, what the gospel is. And we've focused on the fact that, that the gospel is what saves us. Uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And we have focused on the fact that God, out of his deep love for us, sent his son so that we wouldn't be separated from him by our sins, but that he would take on our sin and our penalty, and we could have relationship with God and be a part of his forever family. All right, that, that is good news of the gospel laid out in the first 11 chapters. And now as we have been walking through chapters 12 through 16, we've been seeing how we are to then live in light of that gospel reality that has come into our life. And if we summarized it in a couple of words, I would summarize it, worship God. How do we respond to the gospel of Jesus? Worship God. And we've seen that we're to worship God by giving Him our body and to worship God by giving Him our mind and to worship God by giving Him our gifts and talents for His kingdom. And to worship God by loving others well. We've seen we're to worship God by submitting to the human authorities He's put in place. And to worship God by doing what is right according to His commands. And the last two weeks, we've seen the very important lesson that we're to worship God by welcoming those with different opinions in the disputable matters. Those areas which the Scripture doesn't directly address. Now today, in chapter 15, verses 8 through 33, that's your cue. You can go there in your Bibles or, or in your devices. Uh, we are going to be looking at how we worship God in light of the gospel, and we're going to see that we're to worship God by sharing the gospel. Worship God by sharing the gospel. And I've got good news. You can share it with anyone you're around. That's what we're going to see today. You can share it with anyone you're around. And Paul makes that point right off the bat. He says, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Who are the circumcised of verse 8? Those are the Jews, aren't they? And did God make specific promises to and through the patriarchs, that one day a Messiah would come and bring salvation to the Jews? Yes. And is Jesus the fulfillment of those promises? Yep, absolutely he is. So that the angel says to Joseph in a dream that she, Mary, is going to have a son. And you're to call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And so Jesus is the Messiah meant to bring salvation to the Jews. Only to the Jews? Right? What does verse 9 say? No, Jesus also came so that the Gentiles would experience the mercy of God. 
And then as we look at the end of verse 9 through verse 12, we see four different statements from the Old Testament that talk about God's plan to bring salvation to the Gentiles. Therefore, verse 9, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the people extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. And so we see here that Jesus came in order to bring the grace and mercy of God to the Gentiles. Do you see what this, these verses are saying? Who is it that can submit to the gospel? It's everyone, right? It's everyone. If we represent all people with this oval, there is a specific group of people in here called the Jews. And Jesus is the Messiah who came to bring salvation to the Jews. He also is the Messiah who came to bring salvation to the Gentiles. What's a Gentile? Everyone who's not a Jew, represented by everything outside of that red circle. And so Jesus came to bring salvation to all the Jews and all the Gentiles. Guys, that's all the people. Do you have to be from a certain country to submit to the gospel? Do you have to be of a certain race? Do you have to have attained a certain academic standing? Do you have to have a certain amount of money? No, 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 no. Right? The gospel is for all people which the New Testament represents again and again with the word whoever. Uh, John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus says, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. A little later in that same discourse, he says, whoever finds his life will lose it and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. John 3.36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? The gospel is for whoever. Whoever will trust and place their faith in Jesus Christ. And so we bring the gospel with us to everyone, to everyone around us. And we do so... Because those who submit their lives to the gospel have an opportunity to receive amazing internal benefits. The next verse shows us those amazing internal benefits that can be ours through the gospel of Jesus. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. What can be ours through the gospel of Jesus? All joy and peace, and hope. That sounds pretty good, right? All joy and peace and hope. How can that be ours in the gospel? Well, I think a primary way is because through the gospel, we are given this promised astounding future that outweighs anything that we're experiencing right now. Uh, a month ago today, on June 9th, my son was doing a number of different chores that he would not have put on his favorites list. He was sweeping out a barn. He was putting heavy benches out into a field. He was ironing clothes and on and on. And the entire day he did it with this big smile across his face. 
right? Because the next day, he got to marry his sweetie. And looking forward to marriage with the woman that he wanted to marry was such a great future that he would have been willing to do anything with a smile that day. If you said, Isaiah, go shovel out all the stables all day, he would have just said, as you wish, with a big smile on his face and gone out there and start shoveling because that future that he was looking forward to overwhelmed any task that he had to do that day. And that's us. We're told that we look forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb, forever dwelling with Christ and all that is good, and it overwhelms anything that we're going through right here and right now. We often illustrate this financially. If you think about your financial life, if I'm, if I'm on my whole way home today and my car breaks down, and I'm told that it's going to take $5,000 in order to fix my car, I might just go buy a new car, but stick with me. Let's pretend I need to fix it. That $5,000 is painful. If I go to bed and that's my only financial news today, then I'm going to be financially frustrated. But let's say that today I also find out that I've won a sweepstakes and that at some point this year I'm going to receive $25 million. When I go to bed tonight, how much time am I going to spend frustrated and worried about the $5,000? Right? No, I'm going to go to bed and I'm going to struggle to sleep because I'm going to be thinking of all that that $25 million is going to be able to do, right? Because in my financial life, if those two things occur, the $25 million, it overwhelms the $5,000 I'm going to have to pay for my car. And now I experience in my financial life a joy and a peace and a hope financially because of that future good news that overwhelms whatever I'm dealing with in the present. And that is the hope that we have in the gospel, right? Eternal pleasures at his right hand forevermore are ours in this astounding eternal inheritance, and that overwhelms the challenges that we face now. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away. Anyone? Anyone experiencing their outer self wasting away? Our inner self is being renewed day by day. There's, there's joy and there's peace and there's hope in our inner self for this light and momentary affliction. Right? What's his light and momentary affliction? Well, well being in prison for several years, having committed no crime. Being beaten with rods and whips having been shipwrecked on multiple occasions and floating for a day and a night in the open sea, he says. At one point, having a group of people throw stones at him to the point where they thought he was dead. He says day after day, he goes without food and without sleep at night. And he says, these are what? These are the light and momentary afflictions. They're preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. It isn't that the hurts and the challenges that we face aren't challenging and aren't painful. They are. But the believer gets to compare them to the eternal weight of glory that has been promised to us. And if we have eyes of faith to see which is yet to come, to see what, that which is not seen, Hebrews 11.1, 1, then we experience hope and joy and peace as we walk through life because of the future that overwhelms our present. Those who accept the, the gospel can experience amazing internal benefits, all joy, all peace, 
and all hope. And ultimately, we recognize that we need to remind each other of this, right? Uh, He says in chapter 15, verse 14, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are, are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. Well, that, that's a lot. Right? These are very positive words that Paul gives to the Romans. I would argue with you that when he says, filled with all knowledge, that it's possible they didn't know everything there is to know in the world. It, it's possible that they didn't even know at this point everything they might need to know about growing with Christ, or else, why is Paul writing this letter? He says, I'm writing this to remind you because. We often forget these things as we go through life. We lose our focus on these things. And he says, I'm confident that you guys have everything that you need to instruct one another. The Greek word for instruct means to put into someone's mind over and over again. It means to remind someone or even warn someone over and over again. And he's saying, That's us. We are a community of reminders, constantly reminding each other of the goodness of the gospel and all that is in it because our eyes have a tendency to lower into our current circumstances. Has anyone experienced that? You recognize right now as I'm preaching the good news of the gospel and you're excited and at some point tomorrow you will be tempted, maybe some point this afternoon, you will be tempted for your eyes to lower into your current circumstances and for us to get all caught up in our work, our family, our finances, whatever it is that's going on around us. And Colossians 3.1 says for the believer that we are to look to the heavens and the things of God. We're to raise our eyes, if you will, to what he has. What does it take for that? It takes us to constantly be reminding each other of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to notice that it doesn't say you guys should meet once a week and have the guy up on stage remind you of the good news of the gospel of Jesus. That's a part of it. I'm not trying to talk myself out of a job here. Okay, it's a part of it. But ultimately, what Paul is saying is, no, we are a community of gospel-reminding people, constantly reminding each other of the good news of the gospel. Our marriages are about gospel encouragement. Our families are about gospel encouragement. Our small groups are about gospel encouragement. When we're hanging out, having coffee out here, it's about gospel encouragement. And so we are encouraging each other again and again with the good news of Jesus. We want to make sure that we are not only proclaiming the gospel to each other, which is very important, reminding each other, but of course the call that Paul is going to give us is to proclaim the gospel to those who haven't heard yet, to the unbeliever. And when we do that, Paul says, this is worship. When we proclaim the gospel to those who haven't heard, that's worship in our lives. Look at what he says here. But on some points I have written to you very boldly, by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Do you see the worship language Paul is using about the sharing of the gospel? The Gentiles are an offering. When he spreads the gospel to others, it's his priestly service. 
the Greek word for service here is the word from which we get our English word liturgy, right? an order of service, that, that which we're going to do in order to worship. And Paul says, this is, this is my liturgy, this is my, my act of worship is to bring the gospel to those who haven't heard. We need to understand, when we come here, we participate in worship together. And things that we may think of when we think of worship, like prayer, taking communion, singing songs together, isn't that what we think of when we hear the word worship? Yeah, but Paul wants us to understand a complete understanding of worship also involves bringing the message of Jesus Christ to those around us, to, to those who aren't followers of Jesus. And so we worship here as we come together, and then we go out and we worship wherever we go throughout the week, bringing the message of Jesus with us everywhere we go. We're worshipers as we share the gospel with others. And this is true because God has made us partners in the gospel ministry with him. Right? Doesn't that sound weird even as I say it? Look at this. God has brought us into a gospel partnership with him. Paul says, in Christ Jesus then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. Who, who is it that brings people into relationship with God? It's Christ. Right? It's Christ's work. Do you notice that? Christ has accomplished. It's God who does it. Do you have any ability to transform a person's heart? Right? Do you have any ability to open blind eyes or to open deaf ears? Right? No, we don't have that ability. Only God can do those things. But does that mean Paul didn't have a role to play? No, Paul says, I'm, I'm proud of the role that I've played. God has given me this role, and I've been playing it, and, I, and I'm proud of that because God has partnered with us in the spreading of the gospel, in this mission. Why would he do that? Have you met you? Right? Have, have you met me? Why would he do that? Why wouldn't he just write the gospel message in the clouds? Why wouldn't he just write the gospel message in the smoke from Canadian wildfires? Like what? Why does he partner with people in making disciples, in the spreading of the gospel message? I don't think this is the only reason, but I think that one reason is because he loves us deeply and wants to share that blessing and that good with us. He loves us deeply and he wants to share this deep joy with us. When our kids were 12 and 10, 13 and 11, I don't remember, my wife and I planned a once-in-a-lifetime vacation. And originally, it was just going to be the two of us that went on this vacation. As a matter of fact, I think we were using her birthday as an excuse. And it was just going to be the two of us that were going to go away on this vacation. And the more we thought about it, and the more we thought about it, the more we thought... How can we do this once-in-a-lifetime trip and not bring our kids? We love them so much. 
This trip's going to be a blessing, and we want them to experience this blessing with us. Right? Were, were we required to? No. But we wanted them to come and be a part of that great blessing. Would the trip have been more relaxing without them? A hundred percent. Right? Maddie got sick for like a day and a half while we were out there, and my son made me play somewhere in the neighborhood of 146 rounds of mini golf over the course of our time. But because we loved them, we really, really wanted to share that blessing and that joy with them. And in the same way, because God loves us so deeply, He wants to share the deepest things of joy that there are in the world. And sharing the gospel with others and seeing people come to faith in Christ, there's no greater joy. What does Luke 15 say happens every time a sinner repents? That there is rejoicing in heaven before the angels, right? I think that that's God and the fellow angels all rejoicing in heaven when a sinner repents. And so God says, wait a minute, I'm not keeping all this joy to myself. I love my people, I love my children, and I want them to experience this joy and this blessing as well. And so he brings us into this great mission so that we can be a part of what he is doing. God's brought us into gospel partnership with him because he loves us. But he's also called us into partnerships with each other as we share the gospel. Uh, Oh, yeah, Romans 10, 13, and 14. Paul's role, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? It's God's work. He's called us to be a part of this and partner with him in it. We're also to partner with missionaries, like Paul, I would say, to reach unreached people around the world, unreached and underreached people groups. That is God's call. Look at the verses that come next. And thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have not been told of him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. Paul says, God's call on my life is to preach the gospel in places where no one has heard. Do people then come along and build on those foundations? Absolutely they do. But Paul says the unique call that God has placed upon my life is to be a person who preaches the gospel in places where the gospel hasn't been heard. And he's going to call the Romans into partnership in that missionary journey. Next verses he says, but now... Since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, uh, he, he spread the gospel successfully in the region where he is right now. And since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. What, what is Paul saying here? Paul is saying, I've spread the gospel here. Others can now begin to work on my foundation. But my unique missionary calling is to go to places where the gospel hasn't reached, to go to unreached and underreached people groups in order to spread the gospel. That is what a missionary is. And he says, I want to come to you guys on my way to Spain. Why does he want to go to Spain? Right? Somebody in the first service said, because it's cool. Okay, yes. I suppose. Paul wanted to go to Spain because 
It was the furthest outpost of the Roman kingdom where the gospel hadn't yet gone. And he's like, I want to go to that place way out there where the gospel hasn't gone yet. And I'm going to stop by Rome on my way. And what is my desire when I stop by Rome? I want to see you and have you help me on my journey there. I want you guys to financially support me as I go to Spain. Help me get there. Help me to do ministry in Spain. In verses 25, 26, and 27, he then talks about this offering that he needs to drop off in Jerusalem first. And he says in verse 28, When therefore I've completed this, dropped off the offering in Jerusalem, and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. And God calls all of us to be involved in this work of reaching unreached and underreached people. We can be a Paul. Those who go to the unreached and underreached peoples of the world, be a missionary, or we can be the Roman church that he's writing to and be those who support that mission that is going on. He says, I'm, I'm coming to you, Roman church, and I want you to support me and send me on my way to Spain. Here we go. And so God has called us to partner with missionaries to reach unreached and underreached people throughout the world. God's call isn't just that we would partner with them financially. Look at these next verses. I appeal to you, brothers, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. What does Paul say to them? I'm coming, and when I come... I want you guys to support me financially so that I can go and share the gospel with those in Spain who haven't heard it yet. But right now, I want you to partner with me in prayer. I'm going to Jerusalem. It's going to be dangerous. Pray for me there. Pray for me as I come out to see you. Pray for me as I'm headed to Spain. Pray with me. Be partners in prayer with me as I share the gospel with those who haven't heard. Uh, that word strive, strive together, is a form of the Greek word agonizmai agonize with me in prayer. And that's God's call for all of us. It's God's call upon those Roman believers. Okay, you guys aren't going with me to Spain? Then, then what should you do? Support me financially and pray deeply for me as I go. And that's God's call upon us. He, he may be calling us to be a Paul and go to one of those unreached or underreached people groups, but for many in the room, he's calling us to be the Roman believers who are instead to share what they have to send those who, who are going to unreached and unreached people groups and to pray and to pray hard for those who are doing that. If you go on our website and go under missions, you're going to see that there's a number of different missionaries that we support that are reaching unreached and underreached people groups. And, and I'd encourage you to go on there and just see what it is that we're doing. And every time that you contribute financially to Friendship Church, a percentage of that goes towards those missionaries and the work that they're doing. And that's, we want to be obedient to that call that Paul puts upon, to be a part of that ministry 
to the unreached and underreached by financially supporting those who are a part of it. But we also want to be a people who are praying for them. Dare I even say, more importantly, we want to be a people who are praying for those missionaries. So I encourage you again to go onto that website and find a missionary. Look through and find a missionary that you want to regularly be praying for, that you want to agonize for in prayer, the way that Paul is calling the Romans to strive with him in prayer. And if you're like, well, there's a number of them on there. I don't know which one to pick. Or if you're like, a website, what's that? I don't know how to get on to that kind of thing. Well, I've got a shortcut for you. I have a missionary couple that I'm going to bring up now, Greg and Corey Strock. And if you are looking for someone to pray for, let me encourage you right here that you can be praying for Greg and Corey. They're going to join me, and I'm going to click over to this picture. Oh, oh, sorry. There we go, that picture. Thank you. Yes. And Greg and Corey, can you guys tell us a little bit about who's up there on the screen? Yeah. And then where you are and what you've been called to do. So we're Greg and Corey Strock and our daughters, uh, Elizabeth, Sophia, and Madeline. This is a couple years old, so they're a little older. They're they're, uh, uh, in Sunday school right now. Uh, We live in the Czech Republic, which is right smack dab in the middle of Europe. Uh, We met as interns here back in 2003, and we're really truly equipped by the Friendship Youth Ministry and built up and given tools and training and knowledge, and God called us over to a place where the church's resources are just really small. We work with a group called Josiah Venture, and our whole mission is to uh, equip young leaders to fulfill Christ's commission uh, in Central and Eastern Europe through the local church. So what that means is we take the Great Commission and the life of Christ, which is to make disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them in in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that Christ has commanded us. Um, We take a young leader and we do mentoring or coaching and uh, mentor groups and give them whatever tools they need to be able to fulfill Christ's commission. And to give you a small picture of why that's necessary, I look in this room and I think, this is a rich place. I have hundreds of people in front of me I would love to get to know. I have options for small groups. I have fellowship to get encouragement when I'm being told by the pastor that I need to share my faith. I can chew that, chew on that with my friends right here. Um, there's places for my kids to get discipled. Holy cow, there's more stuff going on in this Sunday morning service than I think happens in whole regions of the Czech Republic, maybe even nationally. So I heard somewhere a stat that in America, uh, 7% of the population is evangelical believer. I don't really know who's all believers and who's not, but it's a whole number. In Czech, it's a fraction of a percent. 0.5% of the population. That's one in 200 are believers and maybe less. Mm -hmm. So if you're a kid going to school and you're a Christian, there might not be another single Christian in the whole school. You want to share about Sarah? Yeah, Um, yeah, so I've 
been, I'm getting a degree in biblical counseling. I was supposed to practice counseling a kid, so I called my friend. I'm like, I know your kid speaks English, and that would be a lot easier for me. And so I started counseling. <laughs> you know, I have said, I don't think I can ever count biblically, because counseling in check. And my friend said, I think you will be. You'll just need the Holy Spirit more. That's a side note, but that's just something about, you know, gifting. Anyway, so I call, I start talking with Sada, and she is just... Like, her parents were leaders in the church, and then there's, like, a messy divorce, and her dad's fallen away, and there's church hurt. Okay, what do you think about this 15-year-old girl now? What position would that kid be in? Okay, a hard position, right? She loves her friends, cares about what they think, and doesn't know a single Christian besides her mom. No, no Christian friends. So she, now she has, her, and there's one, she lives in a town of 80,000, one youth group, less than 20 kids. She's like, I just didn't feel like I fit there understandable. So no Christian friends, no Christian contacts. She had her mom and now she has me. And her mom was just in tears saying, I was praying that God would give Sada someone. And, and she said, Corey, if you came over here just for Sada. And I thought, like God told me, like when I was here, I had a great ministry, all these kids to mentor. It was so fun. There, it's just like digging in the dirt. I've got check language. It's just super hard. It doesn't seem like much is going on. And it's like God said, I called you from the 99 to go for the one. And I thought, if Sada's the one, I'm in. I'm in for Sada so that she has someone. And uh, I just wanted to give you, because Greg didn't mention, but a little bit of a context. You guys know the trip to check that's been going on for like 20, how many years? 23 years. That started when Greg, who had already gone there a couple times, was interning here. And he said, he asked Mark if he could bring a group over. And Mark's like, okay. And that's how that started, that partnership with Letovica Church, which we see fruit from all over the Czech Republic. It's incredible ministry and friendship. I don't think it would have happened without friendship giving to it. Um, and then I went over, because I called up Mark Gold, and I'm like, I want to do ministry. Can you help? And he's like, I'm going to check. And so I went to Letovica and then to Tabor, and we started dating. Um, so, and I got called to ministry while I was an intern here at Shakopee Junior High. So we just owe a lot to this church and praise God for you. That's awesome. So the main thing we want to say is just thank you because you guys equipped us. You've prayed for us. You've supported us. You've sent missionaries and teams over there. You've built up and equipped young leaders over there. I'm mentoring a a, a volunteer youth pastor and I brought him on a field trip to Letovice to see what Pavlik, I think you guys have met him before, um, see the ministry that he's doing. And we got to see fingerprints of friendship like everywhere. We sat down with him and Kendra and just asked him questions and got all sorts of new ideas and creative ways of reaching your community. And we're just so thankful for what you guys have done to equip young leaders mm-hmm. in the Czech Republic. So thank you. That's great. Thank you guys for sharing that with us. Uh, what is a way that we can be praying for you mm-hmm. as you go back, as you're here? Well, you can pray for the Czech church. It's a small church that often feels marginalized. Here you see fruits of the influence of the church in one of society. The, one of the most atheistic countries in yes. the world is my yes. understanding. Yeah. yeah. Our neighbor uh, told us when we first moved there, I'm an atheist. I heard that you guys are Christians. We'll respect each other, okay? And uh, I'm pretty sure we're like the first actual believers he's ever met. Mm. So He told us he expected Ned Flanders next door. <laughs> I don't think I'm Ned Flanders. So you can pray for our rapport with the church, mm. 
that uh, we would have a humble, confident stance as we approach them and build relationships with them and come alongside them and pray for our family. It's, it's a challenge living in a second language that's really, really hard to get. And for our kids to have friends and opportunities to be discipled. So. Yeah, and we just want to emphasize what Matt said is that he said, dare I say the prayers are more important. And I would just stand firmly and say the prayers are more important. We're so thankful for the dollars you send. We wouldn't be able to do the hospitality ministry, especially the flexibility we have because we have resources. We're so thankful for that. But all of that would have no power if it weren't for your prayers for us. And many of you have given your friendship and your love too, and we're super thankful. Mm, awesome. Well, we want to pray for you guys right now. Uh, before we do, uh, just... Uh, I had been on staff here at the church for about a month when I was given the assignment of escorting Greg and Corey back and forth between the two campuses. And you did a great job. Thank you, thank you. Yes, (laughs) why Greg spoke. I was still new enough. I was like, I don't know where you get the microphones. Uh, Somewhere. Uh, And as we did that, and I got a chance to hear Greg speak uh, the, the same message four times. Sometimes people have an opportunity to hear me do that. Opportunity, that's an interesting word. Uh, And as I got a chance to get to know the two of them, it was clear, like, hey, this is an exciting missionary couple that we want to invest in as a church. You come into a new church and you're like, I don't know who any of these 40 missionaries are. I I don't know who we want to invest in, who's excited. And it was clear right away that they were invested in knowing God in a deeper way and in spreading what Jesus has done among the Czech people. It's just exciting to get to know them. So I'd encourage you after the service is over, spend some time talking to them, getting to know them. I know they have prayer cards out here on the welcome table, and they would love to, uh, for you to pick up one of those and be praying for them as well. Yeah, we've got the prayer cards and like other, like how to give stuff. And then there's also a sign-up sheet if you want to receive, if you want more stuff in your inbox. We send it out like every three months, hopefully. And then we're also having, um, after church, we're going over to the Jerdies for our burgers and whatever, um, swimming, hot dogs. Um, if you don't know where the Jerdies is, it's on Spring Lake. Ask someone who's been for, here for a while, or um, you can ask us after the service. And I, I understand that not every missionary is 100% supported. And you don't want to bring this up, but I'll go ahead and say, (laughs) like, if you're interested in supporting them financially, uh, they'd love that. Uh, It is a part of what God has called us to as his people, and we want to be a part of that. So uh, by all means, there's ways that you can find out how to do that out at the Welcome Center as well. Thank you. Yeah, let's pray together. Would you guys stand with me? And if you're comfortable, uh, go ahead and put your hands out as a sign of your participation in this prayer. And let's pray for the Strocks together. Father, what a blessing Greg and Corey are to our church family. And we recognize that um, as they identify Friendship Church as their home church, that we are all excited to hear them say that because we love this couple and we're so thankful for what you have done in and through them. Lord, we ask for you to be with them and their family that your peace would be with them. We recognize that uh, with kids who are relatively young age, it's challenging to go from this culture to that culture to this church to that home to this language. And we just ask that you would bring your supernatural peace upon those kiddos. Lord, be with them and give them your strength. Father, we ask that over the course of uh, this time, the, the remaining three and a half weeks that they have here in the States, that it would be a time in which you continue to fill up their hearts and their souls with those who love them 
and care for them. And Lord, I'll go ahead and, and pray that you would continue to fill up their support accounts with what is needed in order to continue on in the ministry that you've called them to among this underreached people group. And Lord, we ask for your spirit's power and presence in our lives to be the Roman believers that you've called us to be, to give financially, to, to strive in prayer with the people that you have called. And Lord, we ask for your Holy Spirit's strength and power for Greg and Corey to do the work that you've called them to. And we recognize uh, the goodness of what you have poured out on them and through them in Jesus' strong name. Amen.